Homily to St. John Chrysostom Homilies on the Gospel of St. Matthew Translated by the Reverend Sir George Prevost, M.A. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily 2, Matthew 1, 1 The Book of the Generation of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. Do ye indeed remember the charge which we lately made you, entreating you to hearken unto all the things that are said with all silence and mystical quietness? For we are to-day to set foot within the holy vestibule, wherefore I have also put you in mind of the charge. Since if the Jews, when they were to approach a mountain that burned, and fire, and blackness, and darkness, and tempest, or rather when they were not so much as to approach, but both to see and to hear these things from afar, were commanded for three days before to abstain from their wives, and to wash their garments, and were in trembling and fear, both themselves and Moses with them. Much more we, when we are to hearken to such words, and are not to stand far from a smoking mountain, but to enter into heaven itself, ought to show forth a greater self-denial, not washing our garments, but wiping clean the robe of our soul, and ridding ourselves of all mixture with worldly things. For it is not blackness that ye shall see, nor smoke, nor tempest, but the King himself, sitting on the throne of that unspeakable glory, and angels and archangels standing by him, and the tribes of the saints, with those interminable myriads. For such is the city of God, having the church of the firstborn, the spirits of the just, the general assembly of the angels, the blood of sprinkling, whereby all are knit into one, and heaven hath received the things of earth, and earth the things of heaven. And that peace hath come, which was of old longed for, both by angels and by saints. Herein standeth the trophy of the cross, glorious and conspicuous, the spoils won by Christ, the first-fruits of our nature, the booty of our King. All these, I say, we shall out of the Gospels know perfectly. If thou follow in becoming quietness, we shall be able to lead thee about everywhere, and to show where death is set forth crucified, and where sin is hanged up and where are the many and wondrous offerings from this war, from this battle. Thou shalt see likewise the tyrant here bound, and the multitude of the captives following, and the citadel from which that unholy demon overran all things in time past. Thou wilt see the hiding-places, and the dens of the robber, broken up now, and laid open, for even there also was our King present. But be not thou weary, beloved, if any one were describing a visible war, and trophies, and victories, wouldst thou feel no satiety at all? Nay, thou wouldst not prefer either drink or meat to this history. But if that kind of narrative be welcome, much more this, for consider what a thing it is to hear, how on the one side God from heaven, 
arising out of the royal thrones, leaped down unto the earth, and even unto hell itself, and stood in the battle array, and how the devil on the other hand set himself in array against him, or rather not against God unveiled, but God hidden in man's nature. And what is marvellous, thou wilt see death destroyed by death, and curse extinguished by curse, and the dominion of the devil put down by those very things whereby he did prevail. Let us therefore rouse ourselves thoroughly, and let us not sleep, for, lo, I see the gates opening to us. But let us enter in with all seemly order, and with trembling, setting foot straightway within the vestibule itself. But what is this vestibule? The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. What sayest thou, didst thou not promise to discourse of the only begotten Son of God, and dost thou make mention of David, a man born after a thousand generations, and say that he is both father and ancestor? Stay, seek not to learn all at once, but gently and by little and little. Why, it is in the vestibule that thou art standing, by the very porch, why then dost thou hasten towards the inner shrine? As yet thou hast not well marked all without, for neither for a while do I declare unto thee that other generation, or rather not even this which cometh after, for it is unutterable and unspeakable. And before me the prophet Isaiah hath told thee this, where when proclaiming his passion, and his great care for the world, and admiring who he was, and what he became, and whither he descended, he cried out loud and clear, saying thus, Who shall declare his generation? It is not then of that we are now to speak, but of this beneath, this which took place on earth, which was amongst ten thousand witnesses, and concerning this again we will relate in such wise as it may be possible for us, having received the grace of the Spirit. For not even this may any one set forth altogether plainly, forasmuch as this too is most awing. Think not, therefore, it is of small things thou art hearing, when thou hearest of this birth, but rouse up thy mind, and straightway tremble, being told that God hath come upon earth. For so marvellous was this, and beyond expectation, that because of these things the very angels formed a choir, and in behalf of the world offered up their praise for them. And the prophets from the first were amazed at this, that he was seen upon earth, and conversed with men. Yea, for it is far beyond all thought to hear that God, the unspeakable, the unutterable, the incomprehensible, and he that is equal to the Father, hath passed through a virgin's womb, and hath vouchsafed to be born of a woman, and to have Abraham and David for forefathers. But why do I say Abraham and David? For what is even more amazing, there are those women, whom we have lately mentioned. Hearing these things, 
arise, and surmise nothing low. But even because of this very thing most of all shouldst thou marvel, that being son of the unoriginate God, and his true son, he suffered himself to be called also son of David, that he might make thee son of God. He suffered a slave to be father to him, that he might make the Lord father to thee a slave. Seest thou at once from the beginning of what nature are the Gospels? If thou doubt concerning the things that pertain to thee, from what belongs to him believe these also. For it is far more difficult, judging by human reason, for God to become man, than for a man to be declared a son of God. When, therefore, thou art told that the Son of God is the Son of David and of Abraham, doubt not any more that thou too, the Son of Adam, shall be Son of God. For not at random nor in vain did he abase himself so greatly, only he was minded to exalt us. Thus he was born after the flesh, that thou mightest be born after the Spirit. He was born of a woman, that thou mightest cease to be the son of a woman. Wherefore the birth was twofold, both made like unto us, and also surpassing ours. For to be born of a woman indeed was our lot, but to be born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of man, but of the Holy Ghost, was to proclaim beforehand the birth surpassing us, the birth to come, which he was about freely to give us of the Spirit, and everything else too was like this. Thus his baptism also was of the same kind, for it partook of the old, and it partook also of the new. To be baptized by the prophet marked the old, but the coming down of the Spirit shadowed out the new. And like as though any one were to place himself in the space between any two persons that were standing apart, and stretching forth both his hands were to lay hold on either side, and tie them together, even so hath he done, joining the old covenant with the new, God's nature with man's, the things that are his with ours. Seest thou the flashing brightness of the city, with how great a splendor it hath dazzled thee from the very beginning, how it hath straightway shown the king in thine own form, as though in a camp, for neither there doth the king always appear bearing his proper dignity, but laying aside the purple and the diadem, he often disguises himself in the garb of a common soldier. But there it is, lest by being known he should draw the enemy upon himself, but here, on the contrary, lest if he were known, he should cause the enemy to fly from the conflict with him, and lest he should confound all his own people, for his purpose was to save, not to dismay. For this reason he hath also straightway called him by his title, naming him Jesus. For this name, Jesus, is not Greek, but in the Hebrew language it is thus called Jesus, 
which is, when interpreted into the Greek tongue, a Saviour. And he is called a Saviour from his saving his people. Seest thou how he hath given wings to the hearer, at one speaking things familiar, and at the same time by these indicating to us things beyond all hope? I mean that both these names were well known to the Jews. For, because the things that were to happen were beyond expectation, the types even of the names went before, in order that from the very first all the unsettling power of novelty might be taken away. Thus he is called Jesus, who after Moses brought the people into the land of promise. Hast thou seen the type? Behold the truth. That led into the land of promise, this into heaven, and to the good things in the heavens. That, after Moses was dead, this, after the law had ceased, that as a leader, this as a king. However, lest having heard the word Jesus, thou shouldest by reason of the identity of the name be perplexed, he hath added, Jesus Christ, Son of David. But that other was not of David, but of another tribe. But wherefore doth he call it a book of the generation of Jesus Christ, while yet this book hath not the birth only, but the whole dispensation? Because this is the sum of the whole dispensation, and is made an origin and root of all our blessings. As then Moses calleth it the book of heaven and earth, although he hath not discoursed of heaven and earth only, but also of all things that are in the midst thereof, so also this man hath named his book from that which is the sum of all the great things done. For that which teems with astonishment, and is beyond hope and all expectation, is that God should become man. But this having come to pass, all afterwards follows in reasonable consequence. But wherefore did he not say, The son of Abraham, and then the son of David? It is not, as some suppose, that he means to proceed upward from the lower point, since then he would have done the same as Luke, but now he doth the contrary. Why then hath he made mention of David? The man was in the mouths of all, both from his distinction and from the time, for he had not been so very long since dead, like Abraham. And though God made promises to both, yet the one, as old, was passed over in silence, while the other, as fresh and recent, was repeated of all. Themselves, for instance, say, Doth not Christ come of the seed of David, and out of Bethlehem, the town where David was? And no man called him son of Abraham, but all son of David. And that because this last was more in the recollection of all, both on account of the time, as I have already said, and because of his royalty. On this principle again all the kings whom they had in honor after his time were named from him, both by the people themselves and by God. 
for both Ezekiel and other prophets besides, speak of David as coming and rising again, not meaning him that was dead, but them who were emulating his virtue. And to Hezekiah he saith, I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And to Solomon too he said, that for David's sake he rent not the kingdom during his lifetime. For great was the glory of the man, both with God and with men. On account of this he makes the beginning at once from him who was more known, and then runs up to his father, accounting it superfluous, as far as regards the Jews, to carry the genealogy higher up. For these were principally the persons held in admiration, the one as a prophet and a king, the other as a patriarch and a prophet. But whence is it manifest that he is of David, one may say? For if he was not sprung of a man, but from a woman only, and the virgin hath not her genealogy traced, how shall we know that he was of David's race? Thus there are two things inquired, both why his mother's genealogy is not recited, and wherefore it can be that Joseph is mentioned by them, who hath no part in the birth, since the latter seems to be superfluous, and the former a defect. Of which, then, is it necessary to speak first? How the virgin is of David? How, then, shall we know that she is of David? Hearken unto God, telling Gabriel to go unto a virgin betrothed to a man, whose name was Joseph, of the house and lineage of David. What now wouldst thou have plainer than this, when thou hast heard that the virgin was of the house and lineage of David? Hence it is evident that Joseph also was of the same. Yes, for there was a law which bade that it should not be lawful to take a wife from any other stock, but from the same tribe. And the patriarch Jacob also foretold that he should arise out of the tribe of Judah, saying on this wise, There shall not fail a ruler out of Judah, nor a governor out of his loins, until he come for whom it is appointed, and he is the expectation of the Gentiles. Well, this prophecy doth indeed make it clear that he was of the tribe of Judah, but not also that he was of the family of David. Was there then in the tribe of Judah one family only, even that of David, or were there not also many others? And might it not happen for one to be of the tribe of Judah, but not also of the family of David? Nay, lest thou shouldst say this, the evangelist hath removed this suspicion of thine, by saying that he was of the house and lineage of David. And if thou wish to learn this from another reason besides, neither shall we be at a loss for another proof. For not only was it not allowed to take a wife out of another tribe, but not even from another lineage, that is, from another kindred, so that if either we connect with the virgin the words of the house and lineage of David, what hath been said stands good, or if with Joseph, 
by that fact this also is proved. For if Joseph was of the house and lineage of David, he would not have taken his wife from another than that whence he himself was sprung. What then, one may say, if he transgressed the law? Why, for this cause he hath by anticipation testified that Joseph was righteous, on purpose that thou mightest not say this. But having been told his virtue, mightest be sure also that he would not have transgressed the law. For he who is so benevolent and free from passion is not to wish, even when urged by suspicion, to attempt inflicting punishment on the virgin. How should he have transgressed the law for lust? He that showed wisdom and self-restraint beyond the law. For to put her away, and that privily, was to act with self-restraint beyond the law. How should he have done anything contrary to the law? and this when there was no cause to urge him. Now that the virgin was of the race of David is indeed from these things evident, but wherefore he gave not her genealogy, but Joseph's requires explanation. For what cause was it then? It was not the law among the Jews that the genealogy of women should be traced. In order then that he might keep the custom, and not seem to be making alterations from the beginning, and yet might make the virgin known to us. For this cause he hath passed over her ancestors in silence, and traced the genealogy of Joseph. For if he had done this with respect to the virgin, he would have seemed to be introducing novelties. And if he had passed over Joseph in silence, we should not have known the virgin's forefathers. In order, therefore, that we might learn, touching Mary, who she was, and of what origin, and that the laws might remain undisturbed, he hath traced the genealogy of her espoused husband, and shown him to be of the house of David. For when this hath been clearly proved, that other fact is demonstrated with it, namely, that the virgin likewise is sprung from thence, by reason that this righteous man, even as I have already said, would not have endured to take a wife from another race. There is also another reason, which one might mention, of a more mystical nature, because of which the virgin's forefathers were passed over in silence. But this it were not seasonable now to declare, because so much has been already said. Wherefore, let us stay at this point our discourse concerning the questions, and in the meanwhile let us retain with accuracy what hath been revealed to us, as, for instance, why he mentioned David first, wherefore he called the book a book of the generation, on what account he said, of Jesus Christ, how the birth is common and not common, whence it was that Mary was shown to be from David, and wherefore Joseph's genealogy is traced, while her ancestors are passed over in silence. For if ye retain these things, ye will the more encourage us with respect to what is to come. But if ye reject and cast them from your mind, we shall be the more backward as to the rest. 
just as no husbandman would care to pay attention to a soil which had destroyed the former seed. Wherefore I entreat you to revolve these things. For from taking thought concerning such matters, there springs in the soul some great good, tending unto salvation. For by these meditations we shall be able to please God Himself, and our mouths will be pure from insults and filthy talking and reviling, while they are exercising themselves in spiritual sayings, and we shall be formidable to the devils, while arming our tongue with such words, and we shall draw unto ourselves God's grace the more, and it will render our eye more piercing. For indeed, both eyes and mouth and hearing, he set in us to this intent, that all our members may serve him, that we may speak his words and do his deeds, that we may sing unto him continual hymns, that we may offer up sacrifices of thanksgiving, and by these may thoroughly purify our consciences. For as a body will be the more in health when enjoying the benefits of a pure air, even so will a soul be more endued with practical wisdom when nourished in such exercises as these. Seest thou not even the eyes of the body, that when they abide in smoke they are always weeping? But when they are in clean air, and in a meadow, and in fountains and gardens, they become more quick-sighted and more healthy. Like this is the soul's eye also, for should it feed in the meadow of spiritual oracles, it will be clear and piercing, and quick of sight. But should it depart into the smoke of the things of this life, it will weep without end, and wail both now and hereafter. For indeed the things of this life are like smoke. On this account also one hath said, My days have failed like smoke. He indeed was referring to their shortness of duration, and to their unsubstantial nature. But I would say that we should take what is said, not in this sense alone, but also as to their turbid character. For nothing doth so hurt and dim the eye of the soul as the crowd of worldly anxieties and the swarm of desires. For these are the wood that feedeth this smoke. And as fire, when it lays hold of any damp and saturated fuel, kindles much smoke, so likewise this desire, so vehement and burning, when it lays hold of a soul that is, so to speak, damp and dissolute, produces also in its way abundance of smoke. For this cause there is need of the dew of the Spirit, and of that air, that it may extinguish the fire, and scatter the smoke, and give wings to our thoughts. For it cannot, it cannot be, that one weighed down with so great evils should soar up to heaven. It is well if, being without impediment, we can cleave our way thither, or rather it is not possible even so, unless we obtain the wing of the Spirit. Now if there be need both of an unencumbered mind and of spiritual grace, that we may mount up to that height, what if there be none of these things, but we draw to ourselves whatever is opposite to them, 
even a satanical weight. How shall we be able to soar upwards when dragged down by so great a load? For indeed, should any one attempt to weigh our words as it were in just balances, in ten thousand talents of worldly talk he will scarcely find a hundred pence of spiritual words, or rather, I should say, not even ten farthings. Is it not then a disgrace and an extreme mockery that if we have a servant we make use of him for the most part in things necessary, but being possessed of a tongue we do not deal with our members so well even as with a slave, but on the contrary make use of it for things unprofitable and mere make-weights, and would it were only for make-weights, but now it is for what are contrary and hurtful, and to no respect advantageous to us. For if the things that we spoke were profitable to us, they would assuredly be also pleasing to God. But as it is, whatever the devil may suggest, we speak it all, now laughing, and now speaking wittily, now cursing and insulting, and now swearing, lying, and taking false oaths, now murmuring, and now making vain babblings, and talking trifles more than old wives, uttering all things that are of no concern to us. For, tell me, who of you that stand here, if he were required, could repeat one psalm, or any other portion of the divine scriptures? There is not one. And it is not this only that is the grievous thing, but that while ye are become so backward with respect to things spiritual, yet in regard of what belongs to Satan ye are more vehement than fire. Thus should any one be minded to ask of you songs of devils and impure effeminate melodies. He will find many that know these perfectly, and repeat them with much pleasure. But what is the answer to these charges? I am not, you will say, one of the monks, but I have both a wife and children in the care of a household. Why, this is what hath ruined all. You are supposing that the reading of the divine scriptures appertains to those only, when ye need it much more than they. For they that dwell in the world, and each day receive wounds, these have most need of medicines, so that it is far worse than not reading, to account the thing even superfluous. For these are the words of diabolical invention. Hear ye not Paul saying, that all these things are written for our admonition. And thou, if thou hadst to take up a gospel, wouldst not choose to do so with hands unwashed, but the things that are laid up within it, dost thou not think to be highly necessary? It is because of this that all things are turned upside down. For if thou wouldst learn how great is the profit of the Scriptures, examine thyself, what thou becomest by hearing psalms, and what by listening to a song of Satan. And how thou art disposed when staying in a church, and how when sitting in a theatre. And thou wilt see that great is the difference between this soul and that, although both be one. 
Therefore, Paul said, Evil communications corrupt good manners. For this cause we have need continually of those songs, which serve as charms from the Spirit. Yes, for this it is whereby we excel the irrational creatures, since with respect to all other things we are even exceedingly inferior to them. This is a soul's food, this its ornament, its security, even as not to hear is famine and wasting. For I will give them, saith he, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. What then could be more wretched, when the very evil which God threatens in the way of punishment, this thou art drawing upon thine head of thine own accord, bringing into thy soul a sort of grievous famine, and making it the feeblest thing in the world. For it is its nature both to be wasted and to be saved by words. Yea, this leads it on to anger, and the same kind of thing again makes it meek. A filthy expression is wont to kindle it to lust, and it is trained to temperance by speech full of gravity. But if a word merely have such great power, tell me, how is it thou dost despise the Scriptures? And if an admonition can do such great things, far more when the admonitions are with the Spirit. Yes, for a word from the divine Scriptures, made to sound in the ear, doth more than fire soften the hardened soul, and renders it fit for all good things. In this way too did Paul, when he had found the Corinthians puffed up and inflamed, compose them, and make them more considerate. For they were priding themselves on those very things, touching which they ought to have been ashamed, and to have hid their face. But after they had received the letter, hear the change in them, of which the teacher himself hath borne witness for them, saying on this wise, For this very thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In this way do we bring to order servants and children, wives and friends, and make our enemies friends. In this way the great men too, they that were dear to God, became better. David, for instance, after his sin, when he had had the benefit of certain words, then it was that he came unto that most excellent repentance. And the apostles also by this mean became what they did become, and drew after them the whole world. And what is the profit, one may say, when any one hears, but doeth not what is said? No little will the profit be even from hearing, for he will go on to condemn himself, and to groan inwardly, and will come in time also to do the things that are spoken of. But he that doth not even know that he has sinned, when will he cease from his negligence? When will he condemn himself? Let us not therefore despise the hearing of the divine scriptures, for this is of Satan's devising, not suffering us to see the treasure, 
lest we should gain the riches. Therefore he saith that the hearing the divine laws is nothing, lest he should see us from the hearing, acquiring the practice also. Knowing then this his evil art, let us fortify ourselves against him on all sides, that being fenced with this armor, we may both abide unconquered ourselves, and smite him on the head, and thus, having crowned ourselves with the glorious wreaths of victory, we may attain unto the good things to come, by the grace and love towards man of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and might for ever and ever. Amen. End of Homily 2